Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. And hello, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. On the episode today, I have Ito, myself, and Rachel, and we're going to be talking all things Suzuka. Now, you guys don't know, it's been a really great weekend, and of course, I'm actually very excited to talk about this, but I'm actually going to pass it off to Rachel, who's going to give us a little bit of the practice and quality feedback. Practice wasn't too crazy. Quali got a little intense. I feel bad for Logan crashing out in Q1. That kid, he just can't seem to catch a break. And then getting Oscar on the front row, absolutely iconic. Easily the best part of Quali. Just incredible for a rookie. I am an Oscar stan, and no one can tell me anything about him for the rest of the season. I am also a stan of his mom, by the way. Nicole Piastri is an absolute icon, and I too stan her. Her tweet Saturday thanking Zach Brown for offering to fly her to Japan for the race, but then saying that she should just have her anxiety attack in the comfort of her own home was chef's kiss. Absolutely an iconic tweet. I'm not going to lie, though. McLaren is just kicking ass right now, so I'm sure Zach Brown wanted her to see it in person. Because they're just really coming after Red Bull, especially Lando. You know, he's been like really just trying to move up. And from last week and this week, I am not surprised in this man's skills right now. Fun fact, actually. Lando and Checo now have same amount of P2 finishes. Just putting that out there. I think I saw when Christian Horner like leaned over during the podium ceremony to Lando. I saw someone say Christian Horner is just asking him if he wants the second Red Bull seat, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. And like, I don't know what upgrades McLaren has been bringing, but they are absolutely working and I am absolutely here for it. And then Max going sub 129 just because he can and he just has to remind everyone where Red Bull is was incredibly iconic and also just like insane yeah him and quali was as if singapore never happened he was like i'm back bitch and honestly i'm here for it because we all know he's comedy and petty king so why not yeah he really said that was just a glitch in the matrix we're back on track this week Moving into all of the pre-race fun, Seb's B-corner at turn two, the buzzing corner, that was one of the cutest things ever. I loved all of the drivers decorating their little B-hotels. Seb was inspecting them, telling them what to do, giving them all the instructions. It was so sweet. And then, of course, Lewis and SDBSD racing their little RC cars in the pit lane. And then I think they were talking about having a rematch, I think, in Austin. Incredible. I, I loved that. I also loved Alpine's little heart and SD and Pierre that they painted on their B Hotel. And then Pierre went to show Charles and Charles's face was like, what? Is this for real? Like, he was like, such a best friend move. I completely forgot about this, but I just remembered. But everyone's face when Charles and Carlos tried lying about saying that they did the Ferrari logo, they were like, yeah, we did that. I was like, boy, 
you just used a stencil. Why are you lying? And also, the stencil wasn't even that great because one of the horse looks, dare I say, super fat. It was like, it looks like a blob. It doesn't look like a horse, sadly enough. But on the note of the bee hotels, did we see Williams's bee hotel? The wasp pun was priceless, especially because at first I was like, those two are both native English speakers. They should not make that grammar mistake. And then I saw the P in brackets. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and honestly, puns that you have to think about for a sec, fave. I will say as far as the they wouldn't make a grammar mistake like that. I think you're giving the American education system on Logan's part a little too much credit there. I'm sorry, but also especially if he did it in Florida. And I say that as someone from Florida. We also got a driver lineup announcement this weekend. Yuki and Daniel staying on for Alpha Tauri next season. I'm so excited. I'm excited to see Daniel back on the grid for another full season. Yuki and his chaos and his foodiness. I'm so excited for that. And I'm happy for Yuki because he seemed super stressed out about it. And so the announcement seemed to really take a weight off his shoulders. And I think you could kind of see that in the race. He did really well. But you could also see during the press conferences that he was a little bit anxious. He wasn't really like sure where he was standing with that. I have said this before. I'm a big Yuki fan. I was so pumped because you know what? He deserves a seat on the grid. Look, I know that we say a lot of things about Yuki's seat. Like a lot of people have questioned Yuki's seat. I think every season he's gotten a little better and he's matured a little more. And he's an amazing like midfield driver. He at least can get midfield. He's done it consistently. If maybe he got a better car, he can go higher. But I also saw that the car was doing pretty well this weekend with someone else in it. So... Maybe we can't say that anymore. I also got to say, I think that a lot of times, and I say this for myself too, I forget that these guys are like early to like mid-ish 20s. Like most of the grid is under, what, 29, I think. And as PR trained as they are, it seems like they're a lot older, but they're really not. They're still just like early 20s. Some of them give frat bro vibes. Like it is what it is. And honestly, also, I feel like we are trained, especially these days, for people to expect people to just come in and perform, especially in the Red Bull AlphaTauri family, because otherwise they get cut. Whereas Yuki, I feel like, is more so a slow and steady progress person rather than a max that just comes in and dominates. And we need both because not everyone can win all the time. Granted, Max is trying to disprove that theory, but that's besides the point. I am also curious, though, to see what happens with Liam. Kit has been doing so well. He's been killing it, only being in, like, what, three, four races now? I think he definitely has proven that he deserves a seat in f1 wherever that may be and there is one spot left that william's seat is still up for grabs silly season it's not over yet and 
on the topic of silly season, honestly, I know this is a long shot, but I'm kind of hoping Liam pulls an Alex and waves bye-bye to the Red Bull family and goes for that second Williams seat because we know he can drive. He proved it. And while, yes, I'm very delulu of this, Williams didn't want Mick, who is race-proven. And honestly, no comment on them not wanting Mick, because I will go on a rant. So I think Liam would be a good option, especially compared to Logan, as sad as it is to say, who, after DeVries got compared to Latifi at the start of the season, is now the one drawing that comparison. And while I hate that people draw that comparison because it is just rude, they're not wrong at the same time. But it puts a lot of pressure on those people, sadly enough. Yeah, I'm really sad to say this because I do like Logan, especially like as an American fan. But I, I don't really know what to think about his contract because I want him with Williams. Of course I do. And I think he deserves a full season to see what he's capable of. Like, I'm happy that they don't have that kind of, conti- you know, thing that Red Bull does because we can, we're going to end up seeing what Logan can hopefully maybe accomplish. But he hasn't really done anything. And I say that in the nicest way possible, but like he hasn't. Every point, if I'm not wrong for Williams right now, is under Alex's name. So that's not really looking well for him, especially when you have someone like Liam Lawson doing really well in an Alpha Tori, which has gotten a record for not being a good car, and yet he got 11th in Quali. So I love Logan. I think he does deserve the chance to finish the season. I don't know how much F1's going to see him keeping that seat, though. I will say... Logan was doing really well in the first like couple of races. He was he wasn't bad. And then I think he had one really bad crash. And that I think shot his confidence like almost like a psychological thing. And I think that's kind of where we saw it really start to go kind of down for him. And I feel bad for him because I feel like that that can happen to anybody, but it just I mean his first season it definitely something that I think is a possibility. I would love to see him get another shot, but Liam Lawson, Liam is just, he's so good. I also saw something that, and I can't remember who I saw talking about this, but it was another like really big F1 creator. They were talking about how Liam being at Williams wouldn't actually necessarily be a bad thing for Red Bull because they have all of his stats. They have Liam's stats, they have him in the simulator and everything because he was their driver. And so they kind of like would know what they're up against almost. I do want to move into the race. That's the only thing I could think of. But the only reason I wouldn't see Liam leaving Red Bull is because you leave Williams to go to Red Bull. That's just how it goes. You don't usually leave Red Bull to go to Williams. And while yes, it might take him a hot minute to get to the Red Bull seat, He's going to do it much faster if he just stays with AlphaTauri or as a reserve driver than if he were to switch around teams and try and go to Williams and then get stuck in Mercedes and all that. So logistics-wise, I don't really see him leaving Red Bull at all. At least not if he wants to stay on course to get onto F1 fast. 
the race itself, I gotta say, the start was chaos. That first corner is so tight, and you've got so many cars next to each other trying to get ahead. We got a safety car on the first lap. That was just... I don't know how many hits we had in that. Like there was just it was almost as bad as the very end of Melbourne. I mean, honestly, it's funny that you bring up Melbourne because now that I think about it, I didn't realize this up until this point. But I think I was watching F1 TV International, aka Sky Broadcast, and I think they mentioned that it had the potential to turn into Australia. And honestly, the beginning of the race was definitely promising due to the contact that Bottas received and the subsequent reshuffling. And that alone made getting up at 12.30 a.m. definitely worth it. However, as I said before, it had this, the markings of Melbourne at first, but they didn't last long. Because soon... Max was dominating as usual, occasionally giving the lead away due to a pit stop. But other than that, the excitement was often in the back because of, dare I say it, thanks to Perez and his penchant for crashing into others. (laughs) Because he seemingly mistook this race for a bumper car race rather than an F1 race. I will say I was almost late to watching the race because I was out and I, I even told my boyfriend, I was like, we'll be fine. If we miss the first, it's like first lap or the second, we should be good. I am so happy we did not miss that first lap right now because the second I saw that, I looked at him and I'm like, we are never missing an F1 race beginning again. This is amazing. <laughs> but okay. The only thing is, did anyone hear it's lights out and away we go? I didn't hear it this race. I unfortunately was watching with my husband and he does not turn on the international commentary. And so I got the F1 TV commentary, which I will say is kind of hilarious, but I, I missed the lights out and away we go. It's just not the same. It's not. I missed it too, but it's okay because while the race was a bit messy, thankfully no one got hurt. So I was pretty happy with that. And I think It was just really tight for a second, like how Rachel was saying. So, I mean, if there's four cars lined up, like literally one next to another, they're going to hit. Like, there's nowhere for them to go. And I think that's what happened to Checo and Lewis or something. So, it makes sense to me that they're going to maybe fumble for a second. I I think it's just a racing accident. I don't know if, like, any penalty should have been given for that first second, for the first turn. But the penalties this race in general were kind of wacky. So, I don't know. Yeah. We ended up with five DNFs, Bottas, Sargent, Stroll, Perez, who actually retired twice, so technically I guess six DNFs, and Albon, and this is in no particular order, but Bottas retired after being spun out by Sargent, Albon retired after contact with Joe, and Perez retired after contact with Hamilton and contact with K-Mag. Stroll retired due to a rear wing failure. That was just insane. And then Perez rejoining the race at lap 40 to serve his penalty and then retiring again was, it was funny to watch. And it was such a Red Bull move. They didn't want that penalty counting towards the next race. And so they found whatever loophole they needed to, to get Perez back in the race, serve their penalty and retire him again. 
And it was incredible. And then there was the one shot that the F1 TV cameraman got of Max's pit stop. And he drives off. And then it pans back to Perez just sitting in his car. And uh, just incredible. Incredible camera work. Sadly, I didn't see that because I was on the F1 TV international broadcast. But, I mean, honestly... The funny part to me in the whole Chaco situation was he got out of the car when they first retired the car and then he got back in and then just sat there for like, I don't know, 15 minutes, which was funny. But honestly, it is very, to me at least, it's very reminiscent of like old F1, I want to say like pre-2010 because... Red Bull and other teams have pulled similar stuff before in the early 2000s and 2010s. And one that comes to mind was actually Red Bull when they semi-retired Mark Webber in a race in 2010 only to kind of keep him, go- keep him alive, if you will, to test out front wing setups. Which, knowing what Checo having to come in for multiple front wings is kind of hilarious. But while it's not the exact same, it's definitely an example of Red Bull being one of the teams that is very much willing to bend the rules. And according to Ted Kravitz, though, one of the Sky Sports people, This, however, was the last time the FIA will allow this to happen because they're like, well, yes, it's legal and everything. We don't want this to happen again because if you crash out and you get out of the car, you're out of the car. Or if you beach it, you're out of the car, out of the race, rather. And so... If they voluntarily retire the car, they want the same rules to apply, basically. Which, in my eyes, honestly, is a good thing, especially if you get a penalty like Perez did, but then crash out or reach it or whatever before you can serve that penalty, giving you no chance to basically not transfer that penalty to the next race. I will say, though, some, and I just thought of this right now, but why did Checo get to go back in after getting out of his car and DNFing and George couldn't when Joe crashed and he got out of his car and he didn't even DNF? That doesn't make any sense to me. Actually, now I'm thinking about it, that's kind of, I don't understand that rule now. I would definitely argue that uh, Red Bull's lawyers are, they've got a lot of them and they are working round the clock with every loophole they possibly can. And I have a feeling that's part of why they did it. They were like, hmm, we can do this. And then all the other teams were like, oh. I'm also wondering if some of the other teams are under the impression that that loophole was closed back in 2010 when. Red Bull did that with Weber because it should have been, but they didn't block it. And now Checo served his penalty. I'm kind of glad they're blocking it because it just looks like sore winners. Because 
I definitely understand the reason he did it. Like, lawyer-wise, it was a good move. I understand. But I definitely don't think it should be a norm or allowed because, like, it's a cheap play. You DNF'd, you crashed twice. One of them very badly. Like, that was just really bad. Like, that was a dumbass move. And then you got a penalty. And that's it. You couldn't take it. Take it in the next race, like a man. Okay. Like a driver. Because that's it. It's done. I don't understand why... And I feel like if that happened in any other race series, like that wouldn't be allowed. They would be like, no, you DNF, you're out the car, take an X-race. Any series, women's, kids, like that doesn't sound right. Especially because the next race technically is the sprint in Qatar. So according to almost everyone, sprint races don't really matter. So who cares if you take that penalty in the sprint race? It's going to be a grit drop, if anything. And... It's not going to be that bad of a grid drop. Granted, Perez is not known to qualify um, that high up these days, dare I say. So, of course, him maybe qualifying, I don't know, fifth or below, and then having a grid drop might not be that great. But still, he's in a Red Bull. I do have a question. How come they don't just add the five seconds at the end of the race. Why does he have to get in the car, drive, and sit? Can't they just add it? It's a number. It's a computer. And then they wouldn't have to do that kind of foul play. They could just... It'll just be added on. They have no choice but to take it. So, from my understanding, is if you DNF, you do not get a time. Like, you do not get a race time. Your race time gets deleted, or whatever you want to call it. So, it can't be added at the end of the race because you did not complete the race. Does that make sense? Okay, that does make sense. If anything, I would just put them in 20th. Like, okay, you got a penalty, the other guys didn't, so I'm going to put you down here. I don't know. I was just wondering. But I feel like that whole situation, I'm happy it's being blocked. I understand why Red Bull did it. They got it. Like, they technically were allowed to do it. I still think it was a cheap play. I also absolutely loved some of the radios that we got. The radios in general tend to just be gold, but the radios between George and Lewis and their like respective engineers towards the end of the race was really funny because it was just giving the Esteban, I do not want you fighting with Fernando that Esteban got last year. That was incredible. It was hilarious. I know they're all hyped up on adrenaline and stuff, and it's so funny. I also just think it's so funny how the drivers are so, like, sassy and just on it, and their engineers are just, like, very calm, level-headed. Like, it's so good. Honestly, if I were a race engineer and my driver did that to me, I would just yell back. Because why not? Especially if it was, say, Max. I mean, like, how could you not? But on the George and Lewis situation, after not hearing either of them during their cooldown laps and then them not talking to each other in Park Fermi, I'm just sad for them. Especially because the internet, Twitter and TikTok in particular, are now going crazy with speculations of a Bro Sadies 2.0. And while the lore surrounding Brusades is my Roman Empire, I'm not going to lie, it would still hurt 
to see them go down a similar path, especially after a rather good relationship that they had last year and earlier this year. I will say I've also seen a lot of the Brosades comparisons. For me, it would be really sad to see them go down a similar path, but it definitely wouldn't be the same just because Lewis and Nico had, like, they grew up together. They were literally basically brothers. That's why they were Brosades. I feel like it would just be more of a, almost like a Max and Checo where, like, they were getting along really well and then they, they're not. More of a just like a teammate disagreement thing rather than like a like childhood best friends having a falling out, which like anybody who's had a fi- falling out with their childhood best friends, that is like literally losing a sibling. And honestly, Rachel, I have to agree. And that's why I hate it, because it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's really sad to witness teammates fighting, but I think we kind of just have to remember that they're teammates. Um, of course, we only see what's on screen and maybe off their track, they're honestly probably fine. I'm sure what we see on screen is just being broadcasted in a more dramatic light because that's what social media is for. But I know that Brosades were best friends before the drama occurred. And considering George and Lewis are barely probably friends, considering the age range that they're teammates, they're technically competing against each other, all this shit. I can't see Lewis being nice to him on the grin. Just because George is like, tell Lewis to let me pass. No, bro, he's not going to let you pass. You guys are competing. And at the end of the day, it's sad to say, but F1, the teammates are competing against one another. You know, should they work together? Of course they should, and I wish they would more often. But I understand that Lewis wants to get a win, and I understand that George wants to get a win. And if the Mercedes team principal isn't going to tell them to do something, why should they do it? And, I mean, I totally agree with this, um, especially because I can't remember which driver said it, but it was an old, like, early 2000s or even a 90s driver that said, your teammate is your fiercest rival. And I feel like these days we forget that, especially because of the Constructors' Championship. Yeah, I think it's just really sad that I think a lot of fans put the teammates against one another more than they put themselves. But if there was at least some light reprieve and sweetness in this weekend, it was sweet, sweet Seb at the turn two. Yeah, Seb waving his little B flags during the race was so sweet. Absolutely adorable. He really is like the proud dad of the grid. It's amazing. I think I saw Mick with him, too. Wherever Seb goes, Mick goes. Their friendship, their family's friendship, is just the most wholesome thing. I'm obsessed. I love it so much. I didn't even realize it was a B-flag. That's funny. And, of course, super wholesome. On that note, though, can we take a second to appreciate this Mick, Seb X, Charles, and the Suez content? That we got this weekend, especially during the race, but also pre-race. I'm like, come on. This is what F1 is about. Yes, we talked about like teammates hating each other or whatever, or fighting each other, but at the end of the day, they're human beings. They're 20 men that for I want to say half the year get to hang out together. 
I did want to mention, because Mel isn't here, she was going to jump on the episode, but the trophies that they were given, she was mentioning how they were kiss-activated, which is just so amazing and funny, because, by the way, like, if you guys didn't know, listeners, like, they had to actually kiss it, like, a nice smooch onto the trophy, and what this would do is the trophy would light up, and it would be, like, an array of colors, but the colors would be, like, a picture of the home flag for whoever the driver was. So, you know, Max got, like, his flag, Oscar and got the Australian flag, Lando with the British. But, yeah, it was honestly really neat. And I'm just, I like seeing them make these really cool, funky trophies for all these different races. Yeah. Oh, I... I'm so sorry. <laughs> I forgot to say, Lando didn't break one trophy. Not one of them. Truly, very proud of Lando for not breaking a trophy. And I loved those trophies. I thought it was going to be a bit weird, but it really wasn't. They were really, it was really cool to see. And like, I like Max just embraced it. He was like, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah. And I mean, did I miss it or did only Max kiss his trophy? Because based on the face Oscar made when Max kissed his trophy, he did not kiss his. He for sure did not kiss his. And also, I just realized this, because Lenovo will also be the title sponsor for Austin. So we might have a chance of seeing those trophies again. Because Lenovo was the sponsor for this weekend too. That would be really cool, especially since a lot of us are going to be in Austin. I think it would be incredible to see. And you didn't miss it. Only Max kissed the trophy. Oscar's face, he was like, yeah, good. Not going to do that. And then Horner tried, and he did kiss the trophy, but it didn't light up, which I thought was really kind of funny. He tried. It, he made an effort. <laughs> I saw that, and it was so awkward, because he, he spooched it. He really did. Nothing. I think he just probably did it, like, on the wrong side. I feel like they gave it to him with the smooch part, because it's, like, a specific spot they had to kiss, and it wasn't, like, the whole trophy that you could just kiss and it would light up. So I think that's what happened. But literally after it happened, he looked at Lando, and he's like, what? And I'm so sure, because he covered his mouth, and he was, like, with the trophy, like, shaking it kind of. He's like, why is that this working? <laughs> but you know what? I think it is so funny... I'm so sure. And you, like, maybe he did it. I feel like Lando and Oscar, the second they got back into the McLaren garages where no one was looking, they were like, yo, you try it. No, you try it first. Why could I see that happening? Because those two just give me sibling vibes. But, I mean, honestly, on the topic of trophies, Twitter queen Nicole Piastri was added again after Oscar got his first trophy in F1. Asking whether she could get rid of some of Oscar's carding trophies now. I'm like, you go, Queen. You go. Because the picture she posted on Twitter, some of those are questionable. The point that she posted the seventh place one, chef's kiss. She was like, don't forget this one. You got seventh here too, baby. But my favorite was all the comments. No, they're all like, don't throw it away. It's memories. And I'm pretty sure she commented to one of them. And she's like, I'm not. Like, don't worry. Truly. The podium was probably one of the best parts of the race weekend. I mean, it usually is. I love a good podium. And I didn't make any predictions. But the result was amazing. I am just so, so happy for Oscar getting his first podium. And it being a double McLaren podium was fantastic 
Max's win, then getting Red Bull their sixth constructors championship was just it was so incredible. And their celebration afterwards was so sweet. And Max like thanking everybody on the grid, on the track, and back at the factory was really sweet over the radio. I also love how they had the t-shirts just like ready to go. They were prepared. Helmet Marco was like he put that on immediately when Max crossed that finish line. You know he did. But as Meg said last week, we are going to have to have a word with the F1 TV directors because why do they never show Lando's champagne spike? It is iconic. It's incredible. Are they afraid that he's going to break something again? We can thankfully always count on the McLaren team admin to deliver though. And I love how Lando was just like basically chasing Oscar around with the champagne to make sure Oscar just got absolutely drenched in champagne. He was he was like, no, you're going to get this whole bottle. It was incredible and adorable, and I loved it. As I said before, true sibling energy. But even though it w- wasn't a great day for my dice predictions, I still felt it was a good, if predictable, race. Was it as spicy as Singapore last week? Definitely not. But it had the potential to be. See you lap one. So it still gets a thumbs up for me. Now, as far as my predictions went, honestly, this week, it felt like my dice snoozed a bit. He missed the mark completely, especially when it comes to the podium prediction of Esteban, Joe, and Nico. Thankfully, though, he did get my boy Charles correct. There I say he's a fan, like me. Another somewhat surprising person that he also got correct was Fernando in P8. So I guess 20% isn't too bad at the end of the day. But still, the rest of the top 10 were weird. The one sad thing about this race, though, for me was, especially and especially the podium, was that now Lando has surpassed Hulkenberg for most points scored in, an, in F1 without a race win. I guess at least Lando ends up on the podium on occasion, unlike Hulkenberg, but still, it is sad. I just hope a win does soon come for him. And, I mean, with how that McLaren's cooking, maybe. Even if Max is dominating. Yeah, um, none of my predictions happen, so I am obviously not good at reading the future, so no one contact me for your psychic greetings. But I am happy with the results from the race, because seeing a McLaren win is literally so fun to me. I am just kind of falling in love with them. And especially seeing a rookie like, you know, Oscar just take the podium. It's beautiful. I love that we are able to like witness the beginning of his career. And we're going to see it until 2026 for sure. So that's perfect. Max also did almost get his 20 second gap that he promised in Singapore. He's when he got six and seven, he was like, oh, what are you going to do next race? And he's like, 20 second gap. Like he was very confident in that. And I said in the predictions, I'm like, oh, maybe he's not going to do that well. Maybe he's going to pressure himself, but also it's Max. I'm probably wrong. I was wrong. I can't. That man is just, I get it. He's winning, whatever. I'm still so happy we got to see McLaren on podium. It was beautiful. And we did get to see Oscar lead for a second. So that was nice. I think what I found most interesting with Oscar was just the gap he was like able to keep because he was at least 
over 10 seconds, if I'm not wrong, maybe 11 or 12 by the end of the race to third. So I'm sure McLaren is just happy to have found like another little golden child that they can bring into their group. In the end, my prediction sucked, but I'm honestly happy that even with the crashes, it was still a pretty safe race. It's sad to see like five DNFs in a race, especially two being Williams, because I love them and they were just, they were screwed this time. I know they kind of already went in with the expectations that this track probably wouldn't be their track. So I'm hoping them a little better on the next race. I want to see Alex back in the points. And Logan, good luck, baby. Also, and I saw this like probably an hour ago or so before we started, Oscar's race engineer took a selfie during the podium ceremony. That was the cutest thing ever. I... I just about died. That was, it was so, so sweet. I loved it. I loved it. That was just like adorable. And of course, with the podium, we got the return of the Max Verstappen podcast. There was a little glitch last week and we didn't get an episode, but we did get an episode of the Max Verstappen podcast this week, which was incredible. And Lando actually mentioning it to Max was hilarious. Oscar saying he's just glad to be a guest was so funny. But Max's response, which is our driver quote of the week, has to be the best. His response was, I don't even like podcasts. Very simple, short and to the point. Gotta love it. So sadly, we now know Max will probably not be listening to this because he doesn't like podcasts. But what did you guys think about this weekend's Grand Prix? Let us know on our socials everywhere. We are Paddock Girls Podcast, except on Twitter. There you can find us at Paddock Girls Pod. As always, please do not forget to rate, review, and of course, share the podcast wherever you listen from with your besties, your family, your aunt, your uncle, your grandpa. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and now even on TikTok. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you before the next race. Bye, Craig. See you, Craig. Bye, Craig.